Super Talk Mississippi media production. Come see your locally owned and operated Linton Glass for all your glass needs. No matter what glass you need to replace, you can count on Linton Glass. Call us today at 601-835-4336 or find us on the web at lintonglass.com. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the story straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. Everybody, I'm Steve Azar. You are in a Mississippi Minute. Uh, My next guest, he's a brother. Just spent a little time in Vegas with him at the Blackjack Tables. Uh, I do have to to talk about my trials and tribulations before I got here. And before I introduced uh, him, I was uh, on my Mississippi Highway 12 heading east, making good time trying to get prepared for him and uh the bridge was closed down of course they don't give us any notice at times so i had to turn around and i had to go mud dogging uh back about 30 25 30 miles and uh, i've raced into the super talk studios and my next guest is former giants linebacker south carolina gamecock before that the fabulous Corey miller good morning Corey. good morning sir it's all good to, to talk with you man and uh, glad you uh, doing well. That's, that's amazing. Uh, you said, what was that, ground mugging? Yeah, mud mud dogging. And, and actually, mud I was in, in Gwen's uh, vehicle, so she'll see it when I get uh, get back to Greenville. If I don't if I don't make it to a car wash, it's not going to be a, a pretty sight. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I was I was pulling up, and uh, I was trying to, you know, I started to rely on my GPS. And, you know, a lot of our friends are farmers, and, you know, they've got the big four-wheel drive trucks. And, I, and Gwen's got a four-wheel drive, but I, I wasn't sure about it because I started seeing gravel. It rained last night, and I started seeing a lot of mud and obviously some of the uh farmers i i ran across said hey not a good idea and this one guy goes you can make it you know it's gonna get muddy you can make it so i I decided to dare it and then i ended up going all the way back to highway 61 making my way 14 14 east and then to yazoo city so it was uh a little adventurous and i know you don't know those roads like i do but you have south carolina roads that are similar absolutely i grew up in a small town called Pageland, South Carolina, which is, you know, kind of on the state line. Uh, I could actually kick a football almost into North Carolina uh, where I grew up. But a town of dirt roads, you know, you had to know those back cuts. Sometimes you got to go through a little in the woods and get back on another road. But, you know, it helps when you when you have an understanding of how to try to navigate sometimes where people, you know, like you said, the bridge is out, you stuck, people don't know. But it's amazing. Kind of like life, you know, when you have wisdom and knowledge and and understanding of certain things, that you can move through a little quicker. No, no, I know. 
I know. Well, hey, so it's like, speaking of speaking of growing up in a small town on the edge of uh, South Carolina, Corey, I, I want to go back. So I'm with Corey Miller, played in the NFL for 10 years, spent most of that time with the New York Giants. And uh, we got to know each other uh, at the Monday after the Masters, which is uh, Darius and uh, Rucker and, and the Hootie and the Blowfish boys, Mark, Dean, and uh, and Sony and and the guys that put on a great event after the day after mm-hmm. the Masters every year. And uh, through different charity events, Corey and I became uh, friends. And uh, he's my, um, he's my unofficial bodyguard, but he could actually body he could actually man the uh, <laughs> man me, my band, my bus, uh, and the crowd. He's he's he is that that much of a man. <laughs> so hey, so Corey, take me back um, growing up, uh, especially back in a time when you didn't have all of these elite camps to go to and you're talking about playing football when I was in college and when 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 the boys from Hootie and the Blowfish were in college so take me back to high school and how you even get noticed uh, and, exp- and and then sort of your road to play for the Gamecocks. Yeah, you know Steve, it was just an amazing uh, deal growing up in Pageland and uh, we, we're known for the watermelon capital of the world so that's what I did uh, a lot growing up to earn some money. Well, work those watermelon fields, loading tractor trailer trucks, and uh, taking them out the road in Oak, Virginia, uh, dumping them out of market and coming back. And uh, so that that type of thing from a great uh, Christian family, you know, instilled in me faith and work ethic and that type of thing. And you know, I, I never knew how good I was. You know, to be honest with you, you know, growing up through the midget football league and Mike they used to call it here and. Uh, similar to the Pop Warner and then going through, you know, middle school, all that stuff. And I was always good on the playground. You know, I was always good, normally better than, than the other kids, whether it was playing kickball or soccer or whatever it was. And, uh, and you know, and then you get into organized sports and you still kind of have that dominant effect. And people go, man, you, you're, you're really good. I mean, you got good size, you got good speed. And then coaches, you know, started telling me that. And, uh, you know, in eighth grade, I started playing on the varsity team. And, and you know, I still didn't know how good I was, but I had a, a teacher who I, I love to this day. Uh, her name was Miss Menzer, uh, Miss Hartner back then, and uh, you know she helped me with my academics. And then uh, my P coach, Mister Menzer, who now those two are married, uh, he became my football coach. And started taking me to Wofford, you know, uh, right. school here in South Carolina, and uh, he, cause he kept saying, "Man, you, you you're you're good enough to go to school like this." But he says, "Corey, you're gonna be better than this. You're gonna go to like South Carolina." These big schools. I never went to camps and things like that until my senior year. I went to South Carolina, and Joe Morrison, who was a head coach back then, who's passed away now, but uh, he said, "Son, you got a scholarship to the University of South Carolina." Wow! And my coach, my high school coach, uh, played linebacker here at South Carolina, and then they just kind of poured the gamecock in me. They were like, "We're not letting this guy go to Clemson, who's our <laughs> rival, or anywhere else." You know, he's going to be a gamecock. So, and I just fell in love with it, the 2001, the entrance, and. Uh, you know, came here all the time. It was about an hour and ten minutes from my house. You know, again, we grew up uh, very yeah. poor, Steve, and uh, and it was a place where my family could come and watch me play. You know, and I'll take about ten bucks worth of gas back then. You know, they'd come to, come to the game and get back home. So that's why I chose South Carolina. And I was all-state player three years in a row, All-American, Super Prep, All-American, all that stuff in a little bitty town. Uh, but it's amazing how these schools found out where I was even back then. I mean, Notre Dame to... You know, Florida, Florida State, I had offers from all of those schools, and uh, it was so, such a great blessing. What was it like growing up with not a lot, but yet the faith was so strong? Yeah, it, it really, you know, pushed me to that next level because, you know, 10 brothers and sisters, and, and you know, wow. that was our thing. We had a, uh, 
a choir. We were the, the family singers. We travel to church, you know, go to our church, and we'll travel to another church, and we perform and sing in other churches. And uh, you know, my dad was just so, such an awesome man, still is at 86 years old. Him and my mom both living. Thank God for that. And, Amazing. Um, you know, just the work ethic and just really trusting God. You know, you know, I just always heard my father say, you know, you know, with God, all things was possible uh, when they didn't look possible. You know, and I saw it. I saw the evidence of not having, not knowing how the lights were going to stay on that week, you know, not having a bathroom going up for a long time to, you know, build and build. And my dad just worked his tail off. My mom did the same thing. And, you know, she was, you know, cleaning houses and things like that. They didn't have really an education. And I just thought from my father just to trust God in every single thing that I did. And mm -hmm. and despite even having a gift to play sports, I, you know, I was an all-state basketball player as well, played baseball, uh, you know, but I knew that there were going to be trials and tribulations. You know, it was faith that got me through. I mean, when, I, when times got hard, uh, you know, I had to press through. Uh, when I got to South Carolina, I didn't, uh, academically, I wasn't too, uh, too sharp to start with because I, I didn't really work hard. So I had to sit out for a year. So I had to work my butt in the, in the classroom and trust in God. And you know what? As they always told me that he had a plan and a purpose for my life. You know, and, and I just always believe that they instill yeah. that in me. So no matter how difficult times got, which I still live by today, uh, even at almost age 50, that, uh, you know, trust God in everything, give it to him. Uh, you know, I was reading my devotional this morning and it talked about, you know, when we're in life at that crossroad, you know, which direction you go. Uh, sometimes we can get eager and anxious to choose our path and our way. Yeah, and of course. Wrong. All right. You know what I mean? But yeah. it, it was like, you know, trust God with this thing and, and uh, he's never going to lead you astray. So. I always kind of fell back on that, you know, and, and yeah. I kind of instill that in my children today. Just trust God. and It's so important to me and uh, the love aspect, you know, the, the love people, you know, love Christ as you love yourself. And, right. Uh, even more and, and then love others, you know what I mean? And that that, that type of thing, that you know, they really instilled in me that's so often. Amazing. I try to live by those principles. Well, well, it's amazing. And I know that you've. You and Missy have uh, transferred that that ideal of living and, and beliefs in your own kids, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, one of your sons that just uh, had an had an amazing run again, and uh, is stacking up on the rings in college football. But yeah. uh, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But I, before that, I do want to touch on a little bit about how you got to know the boys uh, from Hootie and the Blowfish, Darius and the guys. Uh, at what point y'all were in school together, right? Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. we're uh, they're a little older than me. Of course, I came here in 87, and they were there playing, you know, the little bars and things like that, right. 25 cent pitchers, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, a little, little I, hole in the wall. And, I did it, too. You know, and yeah. It, and, yeah, you know, but it was so different, Steve, because back then, you know, here in Columbia, South Carolina, which groups, and the racism thing was still kind of in full effect. Huh. Um, and But we would go see this band that that were white, and then they had this this, this black guy that was a lead singer. Everybody <laughs> thought it was kind of a weird thing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they were so good and fun and entertaining, and um, and we used to go listen to them at the cockpit and other places, group therapy that you probably heard them talk about even today. Yeah. Uh, places where, and they go back to those spots. Uh, that's what makes them very unique. And um, uh, So I would go out and meet them, and they, you know, they're huge sports fans. You know, there's a crazy sports fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're nuts game with it. So, right. Yeah, and I... I was one of those guys, you know, the top player on the team, and of course they knew me, and I, I came to know them. But you know, really, we didn't became great friends until after after 1993 when they really blew up, and uh, and then we started these golf events and things like that. Right. But, uh, still, all these years later, man, it's amazing the relationship is still strong, and we're great friends. Oh, I love it. We're talking to Corey Miller. You are in a Mississippi minute. I'm Steve Azar. We're going to be right back. 
Super Talk Mississippi on your radio, your computer, and on your smart device. I just kind of stream it online. Yeah, online. Listen online every day. Listen live at supertalk.fm and download the Super Talk app to take Mississippi's best talk with you wherever you go. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Silver whistle and an old clipboard. Everybody, I'm Steve Azar. I'm back with former linebacker uh, in the NFL. Uh, spent most of his time with the New York Giants alongside Lawrence Taylor, LT. Uh, back in the day, back in my day, he is a touch younger than me as well. With Corey Miller, and uh, we have been talking about his time at South Carolina, getting to know the boys from Hootie and the Blowfish, Darius, Mark, Dean, and Sony. Uh, the rumor is, actually, the rumor mill is uh, that they're going to make a new record soon, and they're going to tour in 2019. Are we are we accurate to say that, Corey? I think you are. Uh, matter of fact, I just uh, came from uh, Mark. I spent the night with them on Saturday night, and uh, he did it for me that today, uh, they are having a Hootie and the Blowfish meeting. So, oh, wow. Uh, so That's the great. plan is in place, and I think this could be the first official meeting uh, in years. It was been like a decade or so, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, so they, they are talking about it, and, and uh, I guess they're going to meet and start writing, and that is going to happen. Wow. And, uh, man, I was so pumped. Yeah, you I know, know, I know you are. I know. Yeah, I mean, well, I love it when they get together and play these corporate shows or the fundraisers, and they sound so good and, uh, just an entertaining, fun band. And, uh, uh, you know, I know Darius is doing this thing right now, but I think it's going to be awesome. Wouldn't you say Darius has been making some hay? <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I was reading something, Steve, about uh, uh, one of the uh, the wealthiest country singers out there, and, and his name is in that top 15, top 20 list. Can yep. you believe that? No, I, t- I totally believe it. You know what the, the wild thing is? So everybody's got to understand something. When Mark and Dean and Sony are together and Darius is in there, you know, there is a stand-in. And uh, it's Corey Miller. Corey gets up and sings all the songs. And I'll be doggone if you close your eyes, you swear you're in the room with Darius. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people say that. I'm like, wow, that's, that's such a great compliment. Again, it's one of those things I just enjoy doing. We grew up, as I said earlier, you know, family singing, a lot of gospel music, obviously. But... Uh, you know, and, and it's just that, that, that soul, the spirit, you know what I mean? That's, and you know this better than, than, than I do, a lot better. I mean, you know, and I think singing is about that, you know, and, yeah. and I love lyrical music, you know, music that means something. Right. I mean, you know, you, you your album, Down at the Lick, so matter of fact, we were, uh, Mark has a big album, the old school album cover. Uh, last night we were talking about you and then sitting on uh, at his house, and I was like, man, it's just, you know, you're talking about your dad's liquor store, and and, all, and you're telling a story, and I think when you're singing and, and you have that memory and, and things that affected you, you sing from your heart and your soul, and people feel it. You know what I mean? Right. And so that's kind of how, like, when I love a song, like, if I start to sing it, it's going to show and it's going to come out, and, and people feel that. And I, that's what I'm attracted to musically. That's why I love your music. I, I love Hootie. I love Derry stuff. I mean, and, and countless yeah. others. But, but, you know, I love people that sing from, from the depth of the soul, man. It just gives it's very touching. Well, I appreciate that. And I'll tell you, you know, the funny thing about me with moving back home, I was living in the in the moment of down at the liquor store when I grew up, but I, I had no ability to translate it into a song. I, I had no ability to even talk about it until I went 20 years down the road, made the move back to Nashville, moved my family, kids back, all that stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm there and I see everything. 
the lady that helped raise me, Johnny Lee, her husband at the store, Shorty, and 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 all of these pictures come, you know, every little single thing that uh, into one song, and it was like that's what really got me writing that record. But it's amazing that I couldn't do it while I was in the middle of it, you know. And then, right. and you come back, and it's like, like you said, you know, things are on their own time; they're in their own plan. And sometimes we just have to wait. And and I've always believed as a songwriter, Corey, that it's so important that you gotta you gotta let it come to you. And you and and the songs that really write themselves are the ones that usually people gravitate toward because they're ready to they're ready to write and they and they're just easier and you're not forcing anything, you know. So anyway, so musically, it's always been that. And uh and and obviously, uh, always a blessing to get to do. And I love hearing that. And I love my boy Mark. He's got a great new album out as well. So if people are listening, Mark Bryan has got a great record. Sony had a record recently. Jim Sony filled as well. And I love it when they share me their you know, share their work immediately, and um, and we get to celebrate that together because we, we still love doing what we do. So Yeah, and speaking of Sony, you know, uh, the last tour, uh, I was with him, and uh, that's when I went on the road with those boys, and, and, man, it was a wild tour. And speaking of me and him and others going through a, a life-changing experience, you know, I was going through a divorce, and, you know, he had a situation, and, uh, and 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 both our lives kind of was transformed at the same time, and right. you know Sony now, uh, you know, being a devout believer, and uh, you oh, know he he's is. singing about singing about his past and the things that he's gone through and what what God has done now uh, in his life. I mean, that's type, that type of stuff I'm talking about. You right. know what I mean? Is uh, because you know there's, there's something that biblically that says we're overcome by the power of our testimony, and you know, and even through dark times and hurtful times, it's so awesome to share those stories because. It's really not about you. And right. I had to learn that. You know, those things weren't about you. But it's about really blessing and being a blessing to somebody else uh, that's going to maybe be in that situation. And maybe right. you help them to deal with it or get through it uh, by sharing that, even through just talking it or by singing it, you know, right. playing it. It's just uh, amazing stuff. Well, you know, it's funny you talking about, and there's nothing funny about what you said. You're spot on. But it reminds me of a time you were going through a tough time. Jim Sonyfield was going through a tough time. I remember uh, it was myself, it was Craig Hendrick who was who was punting for the Titans, and, and it was Aldo Greco kicking for the Titans, and it was Larry Stewart who was at Restless Heart all those years. Re- uh, Larry was struggling with a solo record that he had made in the pop world and sort of trying to figure out, did he need to go back to Restless Heart or what he wanted to do? I was trying to get my first real record deal, and I'd already written I Don't Have to Be Meet on Monday and Waiting on Joe and all that, but nobody was biting. And then Craig was going through a divorce, and Al was in a slump kicking. So it was it was 99, and we would find ourselves at Waffle House every Thursday. And uh, and I don't know if I've told this story yet or not. I, I may have told it to somebody else, but it, it it's such a vivid memory in my mind that we were like four people holding each other up over over waffles you know oh wow that's amazing <laughs> and so so anyway we look back and, and and it all ended up working out fine for all of us it's just funny that we all were going through that together and uh just an interesting time in our lives but like you said you know you can have it all planned out on paper but it but it doesn't matter i mean it, the the nope. you know anyway okay so i do want you to touch a little bit more on growing up you said in south carolina at the times uh you're an african-american guy you're growing up uh, you're mm-hmm. you're going to the SEC, going through that. You know, I grew up in the Mississippi Delta. I was a little bit more fortunate where I grew up that I was this Lebanese Catholic kid. Uh, we had the Italians that farmed. We had the Jewish synagogue next to our church. We had the we had the Baptist 
across the street, their church. Mm-hmm. And so we were all living together. And the, the Mississippi Delta is predominantly African-American. We shopped together. We prayed together. We worked together. Right. And my, my dad always raised me on that belief and, and, had, and had a lot of African-American friends, like Jewish friends, you know, Baptist friends. It didn't matter. So I just saw people, which was, which was a big benefit for me. But like with your with growing up in small town South Carolina, and just experience and even going to college, were there any instances in in a situation? First of all, who is dumb enough to even try try? You know, you know where I'm going. I'm talking yeah. to Corey Miller, and if you've ever seen Corey Miller, I don't know anybody that would make any sort of wrong sort of remark. Oh man, you know, Paisley was tough. I mean, that was a tough segregated uh, as you want to uh, get segregated. I mean, you, you know, Steve, I, I remember in high school, looking up in the stands, and you just could see the separation of fans. It would be one side would be all black, and another mm. side would be white. I mean, it was just, I mean, even from that standpoint, you could see the separation, which I never, ever understood. Uh, but when I got to college here, a bigger you know, city in Columbia, you think things would be a little better, but it wasn't. It was tough for a lot of years, and, uh, uh, you know, because I always believed in, you know, people are people, judge people by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. And, you know, that was what I lived on. You know, you treat people the way that you would want to be treated. And, you know, those types of things, which I was raised on, and uh, but a lot of people didn't see things that way. And, and, and mm-hmm. I really experienced it more, uh, you know, when I started dating a, a, a white lady, right. uh, a white girl, I should say, back at the time. And then uh, it, it became ugly. Then people started to show signs that you didn't think because the reality was because you're an athlete, and then even my buddies used to say this, even sometimes my family would say this, like, you know, they were, they were going to treat you differently because you are who you are. You know, you're right. Corey Miller, the, you're a South Carolina linebacker, you're on an all-time team, blah, 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 blah. People treat you differently, and they may look at you differently. But when I started to date uh, a, a white girl, uh, man, that's when I experienced I mean, I, I mean, people were using the N-word and call my, my who's my children's mom, you know, and lover and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, and wow. It was, you know, and I've gotten, I mean, we've gotten in fights. I mean, it was bad. It was some bad stuff back in the day in South Carolina. But I held on again to, to the foundation, you know. Right. My, my parents taught me and, and to love people. Despite how they treat you, you treat them a different way, you know. Right. Uh, you know, I know we use this cliche, what would Jesus do, WWJD, right. and how, you know. And well, we it's, don't hard. Know it's, make, ha- it's, it's hard. It's hard for us I mean, to do that. <laughs> yeah, when they hit me like that, I mean, I wanted to, you know, I want to punch them. You know right. what I mean? I just, but yeah. uh, then again, you had to try to deal with it. And uh, I faced it for a lot of years through college. But then I also met a lot of great people. that, uh, And I surrounded myself with those people, white, black. And, and, and as you know me now, I mean, my, yeah. like you say, how you were raised, my friends, my circle of people are like that. We, we come from all kinds of backgrounds. And, uh, you know, and I think we have a level of respect. Uh, you know, we love each other. I mean, I go down now, and uh, you know, me and my wife, you know, we stay with your sister and your brother-in-law. Oh, and we spend time together. I, you know, I come to Mississippi, and you and Gwen are the most beautiful people. Your family, you know, it's you know, we get down there, man, and that's what it's all about, you know. And uh, we kind of have our circle of, hey, we respect each other, we love right. each other. Um, doesn't matter. We don't see anything. You know what I mean, Steve? Yeah, like, no, I, you don't see anything. Not even, that never crosses my mind. No. This is Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We're with the great Corey Miller. Stand by. Down, 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 down at the liquor store. Shorty used to sweep the floor. Chew to death that cheap cigar. 
Super Talk Mississippi on your radio, your computer, and on your smart device. I just kind of stream it online. Yeah, online. Listen online every day. Listen live at supertalk.fm and download the Super Talk app to take Mississippi's best talk with you wherever you go. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, yeah. Hey everybody, this is Steve Azar. You are in a Mississippi Minute. I am back with uh, former 10 years to spend a decade beating on people uh, and getting trying to pe- get blindsided from the position he played at linebacker, outside linebacker, Corey Miller. Corey, let's talk about your NFL days. Uh, you spent most of your time with the Giants and next to LT, right? That's correct. The first three years, uh, LT, you know, most notably people talk you know, when I talk about the Giants, but another guy that I want to bring up who's very relevant now still in the sports world, uh, my teammate for a lot of years, five or six years, Michael Strahan, oh, right. uh, was another Hall of Famer that uh, I had the privilege of, of being a part of, playing alongside and playing, you know, really some great defense. Uh, it, it's amazing. And the Giants is one of those organizations, you know, kind of get the folks that are listening, a little recap, you know, 1991, I was drafted uh, by the Giants in the sixth round, back in the, in the sixth round, back in the day when, they were 13 rounds, uh, draft choices. I came off a knee injury, uh, had knee surgery after my senior year because I was supposed to be like a second-round pick, and uh, so that knocked me down a few notches. But but got there, man, and, and you know they just had won the Super Bowl, 1990 Desert Storm. Uh, you know you remember that down yeah. in Tampa Bay, they, they just won that that Super Bowl over Buffalo's Norwood missed field goal. Uh, and, so Foxy, uh, so Coach Foxy, our boy Coach Fox was the defensive coordinator then, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, later on, after a couple of years, he came into the Giants. I played with him okay. uh, probably three or four years. Uh, right. You know, he was with Jim Fassel in that group. That's right. Uh, and okay. I went through, you know, to be honest with you, Steve, I went through probably one of the worst decades of Giants football. Uh, matter of fact, they were doing a radio show uh, in New York. I think it was Mike and the Mad Dog back then, and they were talking about, you know, some of the really, really good football players that played for the Giants during the worst decade, and, and my name came up. And, oh, God. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, one of those things, man, where you think, hey, I'm going to this team and I'm going to be playing in uh, several Super Bowls like New England and Belichick is doing. Belichick was a D coordinator in 1990, but left when I got there. Um, you know, and, and we just had some tough years. We had some good years. We got the second round of the playoffs uh, three or four years, but could never get, get any further. But, but man, uh, as far as Giants football is concerned, it was kind of a tough time. LT was based on his downside, so I played three years alongside of him and, uh, that was great because he made my job easier, and I thank him today because uh, he's the reason uh, when free agency uh, got introduced was during my early years, and uh, and because I had a, a deal in my contract, if I had more sacks or led the team in sacks, uh, that I had this big bonus, and uh, and they never thought I was going to get that bonus because LT was on the <laughs> other side, and so I actually it? had more sacks than him and got this big bonus. <laughs> And became one of the top free agents in 1993. Matter of fact, uh, New Orleans uh, really wanted to sign me. Uh, Jim Morris, the head coach there, and that Pat Swilling and uh, Ricky Jackson. You know, and that would have excited me, just FYI. You know that's down the street. You know, I know that. That's and I team. was there. I was there in New Orleans getting ready to sign a free agent deal. Uh, uh, George Young, who was then the, the, the GM for the Giants, called me and said, Hey, I know you're down there. Uh, whatever deal that they got, we're going to, you know, match it plus 10% or whatever it was. And I didn't want to leave New York, man. It's the greatest city, I think. And, uh, so I ended up going back to the Giants. But I think LT even today because everybody paid so much attention to him. 
I mean, when they broke the huddle, it was worth, worth 56, you know, 56 here, you know. And then all the protection, pass protection always went to him, whether it be double chipping, you know, they were slide protecting to him. And I, I got a lot of one-on-ones with tackles and backs and tight ends, and it worked in my favor. So he was one of the reasons I got that big free agent deal uh, because he, he was there. When he left, man, now people paid attention to me and things didn't go so well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tell me this real quick. So, so what about so size wise? What were you? What, what weight were you carrying? Because you're always about six two, six three, right? Yeah, I was six three, about two sixty. Right. Um, and I was actually, I think they had me as the biggest linebacker yeah. in uh, the National Football League at the time, my first four or five years. And then as I got older, OJ Anderson, I don't know if you remember that Yo, name. Uh, I remember back. the tailback, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When uh, I went on to play he, for the Cardinals, right? Yes, yeah. correct. Went, went to Miami, played for the U. Uh, he told me, you know, gave me some, some valuable advice. said, hey, man, once you get to about that fifth year, he goes, every year try to come in, you know, four or five pounds lighter. Because guys are coming in, they're younger, they're faster, and the way you and you're going to slow down just because your body's taking a beating. So right. try to play a little bit lighter. So I ended up getting down my last few years, five years or so, playing about 248 pounds, uh, which was very tough. And you know, cause they give you a weight, Steve, and you go over that weight, you weigh in every single Friday. Yeah, and, and, if you, and you and I like to charge, we like to eat. We like to eat, man, and fifty dollars a pound yeah. uh, per uh, day. That's what they would charge you. Back then, I think now it's $100 per pound per day wow, wow. if you're over your weight. Mm. So I, I picked up some healthy fines for a little bit until I thought, you know what, I'm tired of giving them free money. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> you, you kind of have to discipline yourself. And Because uh, I'm just a big dude. I mean, you see now. Yeah, like, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm a, what they call it in the South, big boned. You know, <laughs> a big boned, as they would say in Payson. You know, so. Uh, but uh, it's all good, brother. It is all good. I love it. Well, there's times there's times when I do want to ask you, can we get like 10 of my friends, and I want you to get your base set up, and I want to see if we can climb on top of you and bring you down, but I don't feel like it'd work out. I just feel like well, just, you, know, you would just be standing there. They tried it on tour, right, when I was like, <laughs> saying I went out with Hootie for about eight, nine months, and Sony and Mark and uh, Dean, yeah. they're, they're, they're too scared. He's in the back of the bus, but they jumped <laughs> me one day on the bus. And uh, I threw them all. I mean, it was like I threw them up against the wall. I think we were knocking stuff over. You know, they oh, got yeah. a little froggy one day and just wanted to try NFL dude. And yeah. and it didn't work out too no. well in their favor. Now, Mark needs to continue just to use those fingers to do all the talking on that guitar. And then yes. and Dean and Sony, yes. drumsticks, everything. Darius just needs to sing. And you, they need to stay away from uh, climbing yeah. the Cory tree. <laughs> yeah, let me do that. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, and I, I got a quick story. Uh, without, you know, you mentioned Bodyguard for you, and I did that some uh, for the Hootie Boys. And, and uh, we're out in Des Moines, Iowa, and the stage was very, very high. And and so I didn't think somebody could climb up on the stage, right? So we had Buddy, who's Darius Bodyguard, and I was on the stage right. So we had both sides down, and this guy found a way to climb on stage. And, and Darius was singing, I believe he was singing, Hold My Hand. And I saw the dude, and, and just instincts took over, Steve. Yeah. And I came from stage right, <laughs> not thinking, in a sprint. Oh, and no. I hit this dude with a full-arm shiver, and he went flying out into the audience. <laughs> and Mike Kelly, who's yeah. that tour manager, yeah, was going, nuts. what are you doing? You don't get us sued. <laughs> like, you can't do that. Just carry him off stage right and then take care of him. I was like, man, I can't help it. I just, I, all I could think somebody was doing something to my man Darius. I couldn't let that happen. No.
<laughs> I love it. I, love, I can see it. You know, it's, it, it, it's sort of. I've, I have my memories of certain things on stage. Uh, my my big catastrophe was I, I threw my guitar a lot, so I would try to see if I could sort thirty, forty feet. I mean, I could hum it, and my my tour. Ma- my, I mean, my guitar tech Chris Forever, who who. Uh, Who's been with us for over twenty years? He used to. I used to put his hands together bef- to pr- say a quick prayer before I threw it. I'd always see him put his hands together, like he's. Please don't let him. Don't let him throw it. And then all of a sudden, here it comes, and it's humming across. Well, we're in Nebraska. I just turned, and I remember going. I'm going to go all the way to Jason, which is way on the far left end of the stage. And I'm going to see if I can make it this time. And Pat Green, who had just given me a guitar. Uh, he had, we had gotten together and, and, and he gave me this one guitar and, and I had never thrown it. So the he- it was head heavy. Yeah. It was headstock heavy. And the ones I'd thrown before would just sort of float through the air sideways. Well, this thing, two things happened. One, I thought it was my tour. Ma- I mean, I thought it was my guitar tech, Chris, but it was my guitar player, Mark, that I saw. And two, so I hum it. And all of a sudden, I realize this thing's turning, so it starts to blip like it's a, like it's a, a spear, like a it's coming down like a spear straight at I thought Chris, and then I realize it's Mark, and Mark doesn't oh, see boy. it. All of a sudden, the the guitar hits Mark square in the head. Chris catches it over the top of him, and the the tuning key lodges in Mark's head. <laughs> and oh, so, my God. so we're playing, and the and we're. In, and it's uh, the the place is packed. There's probably twenty, thirty thousand people, and they're all girls up in this one front area in front of Mark. And I remember he's playing, he's playing. All of a sudden, he starts to play slow, and all of a sudden, this blood is <laughs> just dripping out of his long hair, and everybody's screaming. And you know, Mark at that point looks like he should be playing with Ozzy Osbourne, not me. And so he's got this hair, and it's dripping. And he all of a sudden he goes whoa, like, and then all of a sudden he wakes back up like I like I really jolted him, like it sort of. And so for like a week, I had to put like some sort of cream in his head to kind of heal it. And anyway, oh, long story, that's that's my that's one of my uh, damaging uh, stage stories. And uh, <laughs> my mom's probably not going to want to hear that. It probably doesn't sound too good to her. But I'm Steve that's Azar. Okay. We're we're with Corey Miller. A uh, good friend of mine uh, spends a lot of time in the Mississippi Delta. Every year we tried to get him to come a little earlier and a little earlier until he here yes. for about 10 days. And, Love uh, it. And, and we do. We have a great time. All right, Corey, uh, uh, this being the birthplace of America's music with Mississippi is that. I'm going to give you uh, an option of a couple of Mississippi acts, and, uh, and you're going to lead us, uh, lead us to, uh, to hear one of their tunes. Give me Ike Turner or Three Doors Down. Love that option I'm giving you. Wow, I'm taking three doors down. I knew it. Uh, we're going to be right back. I, I want to talk about your radio show, and I want to talk about your son's success before we before we get away. This is Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We're with Corey Miller. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Steve Azar on Facebook.com Steve Azar Live and listen to all my music, Steve Azar and Steve Azar and the King's Men, wherever you download or stream. The Super Talk app. Pop it in, pop it in, and turn it on. Listen to your favorite shows anytime you darn well please. The Super Talk app. It's free. Download the Super Talk app now. now. 
in a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar. I'm back with Corey Miller, former NFL great. I, I want to talk to you, Corey, about your radio show first and then get into talking about Christian. You're still involved heavily with the Gamecocks, right? And you got a sports yep. show, so tell me about it. Yeah, more so TV stuff, Steve. Uh, you know, I serve kind of as director of sports at uh, Fox Affiliate here in Columbia, South Carolina, in which we cover the Gamecocks heavily in Clemson, uh, the other team in the upstate. Uh, but uh, in the Carolina Panthers. TV. So, it's TV. TV. Right. Yeah, right. we do that. Uh, you know, that's my daily real job, I like to call it. I'm not, and I fool around with the radio. TV, you know, I love covering sports. I had the opportunity uh, the last, in the last three years, really. Uh, two out of those three years, my son is playing a national championship game. You know, there's no greater feeling. Uh, and interviewing your son on media day right, in the I've national championship it. game. I love and uh, just the smile and the joy of just, uh, uh, you know, being able to do that. Yo, being in the SEC and talking about number 47, your son who plays for the Tide. As a parent, you know, you're growing up and you're a football star and you've made it to the to the top of your sport. And then you've got a son that comes along, and obviously there's some things that road road signs along the way that let you know he's really got it. But you also know that that's a tough follow. Your son has got two championship rings for the Tide, and he graduated a, a half a, a he graduated a semester early. He's already graduated, right? Uh, yep. Christian Miller, number forty seven, a starting linebacker, got hurt the first game against Florida State. And he was supposed to be out for the season. He was one of those linebackers with the Tide that, and he tore his uh, bicep. And um, and so I could see him wearing the big. You know, he was he was taped. He was, he was padded pretty good in the last yep. few games when he came back from Auburn. Take me through the process of sort of evaluating him and his desire, and how proud you are of you know already two championship rings and what's his plans. Yeah, it's just amazing. I'm watching him, and he's such a great kid and academically already has his degree to in three and a half years from Alabama. He's now enrolled in uh, graduate school and, and working on his, you know, masters and all that good stuff. And, uh, but on the field, uh, you know, just, uh, great. I, I think, and I tell him this, and I've told him this for a long time that he's going to have the ability to be better than his father was. I mean, he's prototypical three, four outside linebacker. He's a great pass rush. He's long, six, four, two forty five, can run. Just a, a guy that I think is going to do great things. Because the plan was we thought he would be healthy and have a great year, obviously. And, uh, you know, then he thought, because I'm graduating, and I'm going to go ahead and start, you know, playing for the National Football League. Because he got a great draft grade. The NFL gives you a grade back. And uh, he had a top two or three round grade coming into this season. Right. Uh, of course, you just mentioned that and alluded to that he retorted by himself. And, but he worked his tail off, got back, and had two sacks and. Uh, the playoff games and a couple of tackle for losses and played really, really good. And, he did. Uh, you know, but he's coming back this year and he's going to, you know, it's an investment year for him. You know, he's going to really apply himself and try to be the best he can be and hopefully the tie win another championship. And uh, then he's going to go off into the sunset. But he's smart. Football is not like to him like a lot of these guys. Like, you know, they're depending solely on making it. And, and if they don't, they, they fall down uh, to the pit. You know, he's the type of guy so smart. He knows what he wants to do. And, kind of guy's life mapped out, but as he learned this year, and we said this in the first segment, Steve, is that our ways are not always his ways. I mean, so he had a setback, you know, this year, right. and I told him, you know, use that setback for a major comeback, and he had a major comeback, and, and when they told him that he was done for the year, but but God said, no, you're not done for the year, and he came back, he contributed, and I, and I told him, just use that, because that's life, you know, life, we make plans, we, we, we you know, we should make plans, that's what you do. But sometimes there are deterrents, there's things, obstacles, there's potholes, there's bumps in the road 
it doesn't mean that you have to stop your trip. You know, if I'm right. if I'm traveling to the great state of Mississippi, coming to the Delta by car, and I have a flat, I don't I don't stop my trip. I just change my tire. That's I get right. it fixed, and I keep moving. And uh, and I might get there a little later than I, I wanted to, but you know what? Later don't mean denied. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you know that's the thing, and and I try to teach to him football in life. There's always going to be pops and potholes, bumps, but continue your journey, Love and uh, you'll get there. And, he's got and, a good he's daddy. Yeah, he's used that, man. And, but Daddy learned the hard way because yeah. Daddy, you know, had to fall on his face. Because da- Daddy's hard headed like my, like me as a daddy. We we're hard headed. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. But but we're here today to to we be are. an example. So no, you're like right. my father was to me. I want to be that to my son. And uh, hopefully, like I said, I, uh, my dad dealing with dementia right now and and uh, mm. COPD oh, and, so and sorry, really going through some tough stuff. Uh, right. You know, and he's at the very end of that from what the doctors tell us. But oh. you know, he, he's lived an awesome life. He's been an awesome father, awesome husband, and he's been an awesome uh, God-fearing man who's taught his kids the right things. And my prayer is that, you know, as I'm flying out to see you, I believe, uh, Azar, I wrote a note to my, you know, kind of on Facebook to my father that, you know, I hope my children will one day be as proud of me as I am my dad. And that's oh, I my love goal it. in life. Well, I, I love that, and I love that about you. You you were you were so centered and so grounded and right on, and uh, and uh, I feel the same way about my dad. He's raised some kids who've done some amazing things, and uh, and I know that he's been proud of that. And you're absolutely you watch. If I can just be half of what he is, we're going to be all right with our kids. So it's been great with Corey Miller, former NFL great. By the way, of New York Giants and uh, and I, obviously in college at the Gamecock days. He's a great friend, great man. You've been inside of Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.